It's HSK Today, a weekly in-depth look at the Henderson Silver Knights and the AHL with your host, Brian McCormick. And here we go, coming to you from the booth inside the Orleans Arena. Brian McCormick here with you. This is HSK Today. Once again, Brian McCormick here, you there, Damon Cotton. He's on the other side of the glass as we have uh, another one of our extended pregame show versions of HSK Today. Of course, with the Silver Knights and Bakersfield Condors set to, to drop the puck at 6 p.m at the Orleans Arena to wrap up this five-game homestand. So a, a busy afternoon to get you set for that. We're going to run through some audio from this morning when we spoke with head coach Manny Viveros in preparation for tonight's game and discussing a little bit of this bumpy stretch the Silver Knights are in the midst of as they have gone 5-5 five and five over their last 10 uh, and have lost back-to-back -back games on home ice for the first time this season after Tuesday night's 4-1 defeat to the Condors. Uh, the Condors are the only team in the American Hockey League, or I should say the Pacific Division, because it's been such a, uh, a restricted schedule this year, but the only team that has a winning record against the Henderson Silver Knights after the Condors have won three straight meetings between these two teams. So we'll hear from Manny Viveros. We're going to chat with Mike McKenna, the Henderson Silver Knights color commentator on the TV broadcasts on the CW Las Vegas, as well as, of course, studio host with the Vegas Golden Knights and longtime AHL goaltender and NHL as well. So Mike McKenna will be on to give us some perspective. And in our third segment, we'll speak with Will Nickel, who is the director of player development for the Vegas Golden Knights and therefore, of course, has a huge impact on all the players coming and going through Henderson. So busy show, lots to get to. And as we mentioned for the Silver Knights, a little bit of a, uh, a bumpy stretch for them and uh, important for them to bounce back tonight before this homestand ends because after this, it's it really is the home stretch, the final 10 games on the schedule, five of them on the road, and then the last five at home. So for the Silver Knights, they want to find their footing again. They're, they're still in good positioning in the uh, Pacific Division. They have a three-point lead over the Bakersfield Condors. Uh, they, they technically are two points back of the San Diego Gulls, but now I believe they have six games in hand or five, something in that neighborhood. The Silver Knights are still very much in the driver's seat uh, for taking the top of the Pacific Division, but there's work to do against a Condors team that has been very strong and has now won seven of their last eight and continue to surge uh, and have a lot of veteran experience. So on a number of topics, we caught up with Manny Viveros earlier today, and let's let, let's hear it straight from the coach's mouth what Manny Viveros said in his morning availability. Coach, you, you mentioned the other day after the game on Tuesday that uh, it was some of the smaller details that uh, the team needed to focus on more. Is that kind of hard to... To, to work on when the games come at such a quick clip like they have been? Not necessarily. I think like a lot of things right now with all the teams that a lot of your teaching or your practices are come from 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 uh, video sessions here. So we try to touch on everything that we need to, uh, to get ourselves prepared for the games or small adjustments or corrections um, and, and just also reinforcing what we do well here. So, no, they're just small little things, just reminders uh, for the players. You guys got Thomas Yurko back from his NHL stint with the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, a stint where he played played well. Uh, how, how important was that for him to to have a good a good stay up there? No, really good for his confidence to go up and and, and to show that you know that uh, he's he's an NHL caliber player, you know, and certainly will uh, help him coming back down here again to us. And uh, you know, maybe he'll find the game uh, just a little bit to touch slower. Uh, than the National Hockey League, but also just give him that confidence and uh, continue to develop and, and build on what he did up there. Well, Dorofiev and uh, Maxim Marishev played together uh, quite a bit on Tuesday. Any particular reason? Do they have a, a background together? 
Well, no, well, uh, yeah. Well, you know, first and foremost is, is the language. Uh, you know, that it's good for uh, both those guys that where they can communicate, especially for Max. He's only been here for a short period of time, and Pavel's been here for a while, so Pavel can help him uh, in uh, you know, it's kind of translating of what we want to do and in, in, in our systems. Uh, certainly, there is a, a bit of a language barrier, but uh, again. Um, I think those both those young men let on uh, that they don't understand as much English, but they do. They understand uh, more than they let on, and uh, especially the hockey terminology and stuff like that. So I was very happy uh, with both of the way they played that day. And you know, I can't think of a better person to have in the middle between them with Jake Lecision. So I thought I, I really liked that, that line there for for two pairs till till we had to make adjustments. I was going to say, did, did Jake Lecision have to be taught uh, three or four Russian words just to get him through the night? Well, I think he, uh, yeah, he just had to go home and do a crash course uh, in between uh, his pregame meal and, and the game, just on a couple, a uh, few things to say. We've talked about several players, the, the adjustments they've made from their first pro season to their second. How has Lucas Elvinus come along uh, and, and uh, growing as a playmaker and an offensive presence? You know, yeah, Lucas does has that ability. Uh, he sees the ice very well. Uh, you know, he's got an offensive side of him that you can't teach. Uh, you know, he sees the ice well, um, you know, makes really good passes in tight. Um, and he's got a good wrist shot, which we want him to use a lot more than, than he does here. He's got a really good shot. And, uh, you know, he's developing, uh, you know, really good. Um, to like anything, a young player, though, you got to continue to keep, uh, you know, getting getting stronger and improving in all areas of the game. And, uh, you know, we're trying to get Lucas right now also to concentrate a, a lot of his play without the puck. And, but uh, we certainly see an improvement from Logan Thompson mentioned to me uh, the other day, just noting that there's a lot of age on the Condors. We look at the, the Malones and the Cracknells, there's a lot of season and experience there. Is there something a, a, a young team can learn playing against an old team, or, or is there any different approach needed when you play against a team that has guys with that many years of experience? Well, I, I think that what we can take from, from them is how they played us the other night here. Um, you know, they never, they, they stuck to what, uh, you know, what they do well was, was their structure, you know, and uh, they've got a lot of players that have played a lot of NHL games and they've been in America, American Hockey League for a lot of years also too. So you can see where, uh, you know, they're seasoned veterans. They're very smart players. Um, they know where, where to be in position. Um, they know how to relieve pressure when they're, you know, their team is putting pressure on them. Um, you know, so a real smart veteran group. And that's something for us also too, that we can, uh, you know, take from that is that uh, you know uh, just how, how to positionally to be a better as a hockey team also too with some of the, the different combinations we've seen in the last couple of games and i could be wrong but it seems like one of the players who's been very movable very versatile is is ben jones is that is that fair and is there a reason why he fits in so well in so many different settings yeah no i talked to jonesy and it says i move him around probably uh more than anybody up front is because of his reliability. Um, you know, we can trust Jonesy. Um, we can put him, whether it's on the wing. I've had him a left wing, center, right wing, um, net front power play. So, um, you know, we utilize, utilize him all over the place in, in different line combinations too because uh, Jonesy's a very trustworthy player. When you go out in the ice, you know what you're going to get from. Uh, he knows his assignments and he takes a lot of pride in doing it too. So, um, you know, that's a compliment for him. Um, you know, sometimes when you move other players around uh, quite a bit is, you know, try to, you know, maybe because you want to get them going. But uh, Ben Jones is the type of player that uh, you know, he makes the other guys around him better. And that was head coach Manny Vivero. There's plenty to unpack in that morning availability where he touched on a lot of topics. The one that I laugh at is 
Maxim Marashev uh, making his AHL debut with Pavel Dorofiev and Jake Lecision in the middle. And when I talked to some of the trainers on the bench, they said, yeah, most of the conversations going on, on the bench there, Jake, Jake Lecision wasn't getting a word in edgewise. <laughs> so the language barrier, uh, not, not so much for Maxim Marashev to overcome, but Jake Lecision as well. But that was a line that did very well together. Yeah, another thing that's worth mentioning, and, and uh, Maeve Ivaros touched on this in his post-game availability on Tuesday, the fine details. And one of the greatest examples of the fine details that have been a little bit, a little bit of slippage over the last uh, couple of weeks, where the Silver Knights have found themselves on the wrong end of the scoreboard more often than any other point this season. Uh, I think what, uh, an, an instance that exemplified it greatly was late in the first period, the Bakersfield Condors goal that uh, gave them a one nothing lead. Let's give a listen to that. Russo again will cycle it behind the net. Five seconds left. Stand down from the blue line. Sharp angled shot stopped by Thompson. Rebound put back in front, and they score. Just as the time was expiring, they point that it's a goal. The Condors have a 1-0 lead, and we'll see if there's a discussion amongst the refs on this one. As the puck was put in front, the red light behind the net is not on. The green light is. The green light, of course, indicating the time it expired. But it's not like there's a goal judge directly behind the net, so the refs are going to have the discussion right now. As I believe it was Devin Brasso who had the last touch to send it bouncing through Thompson and over the line. And it was indeed Devin Brasso with uh, going back and look at the replay. It looked like about 0.5 seconds left that the puck crossed the goal line. But, you know, the point is, is that that is the third time this season that the Silver Knights have given up a goal with one second or less left on the clock. And each of those instances have been from, uh, you know, pucks thrown on net from impossible angles. And either they've gone in from that angle or the, the fracas in front that it created. Uh, has found a way into the net. And talking to Maeve Ivros after the game, I said, well, is that bad luck? And he said, well, if it happens once, you can say it's bad luck. If it happens more than once, well, now we're starting to miss assignments. Uh, and for the Silver Knights, definitely there were some instances, uh, and not just in, on that goal on Tuesday, the Cooper Marodi goal, uh, another example, where the Silver Knights just lost their man in front and uh, perhaps losing track of time uh, late in periods for, for the sake of that example uh, or not playing to the final buzzer. But for a young Silver Knights team, uh, that we've given a lot of credit to this season, deservedly so, but with a young blue line and without the likes of Jake Bischoff and Carl Dahlstrom and more minutes heaped on young guys, certainly that's something that the Silver Knights want to address is, again, getting back to the fundamentals, back to the details, uh, and, and, and ma monitoring your assignments. And Logan Thompson said to me yesterday, he says, you know, they're a good team and their age, I'm paraphrasing, their age and experience is a reason why when you look at the Condors with Brad Malone, who's going to play his 600th professional game tonight. Adam Cracknell, who's 35 years old, has been playing since the early 2000s. Not only does that kind of experience, as Manny Vivero said, how they protected leads, how they stuck to their structure, absolutely correct. But you also see where the lapses in concentration don't occur. Uh, that's something you'll see from veteran teams, too, and I think that's a lesson that can be garnered from Tuesday night. Uh, but for the Henderson Silver Knights, they look to, uh, to bounce back, and they've had a good 48 hours to... Uh, discuss Tuesday's shortcomings and look to get back together. Let's take a quick look at Silver and Gold. Silver and Gold, Silver and Gold Everyone wishes for Silver and Gold Henderson Silver Knights leading goal scorer Dylan Secura was called up on Tuesday, got into the lineup for the uh, Golden Knights last night, his first NHL game since April 7th of 2018 when he was a member of the Chicago Blackhawks and uh, oh, excuse me. 
that didn't sound right. I thought that was wrong. I, I was looking at my numbers like, I don't think that's right. Pardon me. Dylan Zagira's first game since January 15th of 2020. That's much, much more recently. Pardon me, folks. The computer's uh, fighting with me. Uh, but nonetheless, Dylan Zagira, his VGK debut, and he gets into the lineup for the Vegas Golden Knights on the night when they clinch a playoff spot for the fourth consecutive season. 9.45 of ice time last night for Dylan Secura. With him going up, Thomas Yurko comes back, and he's expected in the lineup for the Silver Knights this evening. We'll step aside. When we come back, we'll have Mike McKenna, broadcast partner on the CW Las Vegas for Henderson Silver Knights televised game and AHL NHL extraordinaire. We will have him on the way on HSK today. Oh, man. We are tonight's entertainment. I only have one question. Where is Brian McCormick? Back on HSK Today, Brian McCormick here with you, and we are joined by my broadcast partner on the CW Las Vegas and longtime AHL and NHL goaltender, Mr. Mike McKenna. Mike, thank you for taking the time this afternoon. It's great to have you on. Thanks for forcing me to do it, Brian. That's a joke. I'm kidding around everybody. I'm always happy to join. <laughs> I'm just persuasive. That's not forcing. That's just good That's convincing. Yeah, blackmail like, can be can be tough, but I, I'm used to it at this point. <laughs> the almighty power of hosting HSK today. Mike, <laughs> I, I, I was hoping you uh, would be so kind with your vast experience in the American Hockey League and in the National Hockey League. You've seen a lot of the Silver Knights this season. Silver Knights are going through their first bumpy patch of the of the year after starting the year 17-3. and three. Um, It's been a little bit more 500 of, of late. And for all the teams you've played on, e- even really, really good AHL teams go through stretches like this. What, what are the reasons that even good teams have, uh, have hardships at times? Yeah, you know, you look to the normal reasons in the hockey world why that can happen. If there's injuries or if you just get into a funk, not every team blows through an entire regular season and go win and eight out of every 10 games. It just doesn't happen like that very often. As much as we want to fool ourselves that at times you can win every game, it's just, that's not how things play out. And, you know, I think with Henderson and watching the Silver Knights games, especially when we were this past week, you can just see, you know, you don't have Dahlstrom on the blue line and you're, you know, you're in and out of the lineup with some forwards and call-ups and taxi squad with this being part of the mix this year. That's, that's a real factor. Um, So all those things go into it, but, uh, you always try to find the positive in it, how you come out of it, and how you prepare and get ready for, for playoffs, which, you know, with this year, who knows what's happening for anything, but it's <laughs> it's still kind of ramping up to it, right? And, and you can win six, seven in a row, but you try to minimize those losses on the backside so you're only, you know, you don't ever want to lose more than two in a row if you can help it. Mike, one of the things uh, that has kept the Silver Knights in the win column even in nights where maybe they shouldn't have been earlier this year, was the performance of, of Logan Thompson. He's got the trophies to prove it. Um, as a goaltender, how impressed are you with what he's doing in his first full year of, of AHL action? And, and have you even seen maybe, uh, as good as he's been, maybe improvement over the course of this season? Well, I have, I, and I think it all coincides with, you know, he's getting regular goalie coaching now. Freddie Brathwaite's been in town working as a development slash scout for, for the whole Gordon, Golden Knights organization, and having that constant contact makes a big difference for a goaltender. And somebody with Logan Thompson's resume and background, you know, he had constant, constant contact in junior hockey. Had Tyler Plant there, who was a, he was a fellow ECHL all-star of mine, ironically enough, uh, worked with him a lot. And then, you know, the past year or two, you go to Canadian college, you go to the ECHL, you don't get that hands-on treatment as much. Yet Logan Thompson was able to perform at those levels to set him up for what he's now doing in the American League. And, 
I think that coming into this season, the expectation was, hey, he's, we think he's an American League goalie. We think he can play in the league, right? And, you know, it maybe slotted in as a number four for the organization for for the Golden Knights slash Silver Knights. And all he's done is continue to defy expectation and play so far beyond what was expected that head coach Manny Vivros hasn't been able to take him out of the net. He's been absolutely rolling. Uh, and I do see some technical things. I see, you know, he's got a conscious awareness to try to stay within his posts, be close to home when he can, not attack pucks. And uh, it's been fun to watch because every goalie will tell you, you're always looking for that little edge, some way to get better. Talking with Mike McKenna. Mike, I knew before you started getting into broadcasting, I knew you were probably heading in that direction. I was not even knowing you. But it's because I followed you from afar on Twitter, uh, McKenna Ingame, and I just loved the way you broke things down from a technical perspective uh, on Twitter, but in a way that a, a layman could understand. Um, how, how do you like to mix, from a personal aspect, the uh, the goaltending coach mentality you have with the on-air presence that you're afforded to, to communicate with people? Oh, it's so much fun because there's a lack of knowledge when it comes to goaltending. People don't know much about it. That's not the reference point. They just see a guy in the net and goes, oh, he stopped the puck. Good job. Well, obviously there's a lot more to that, and if you've you get to know any goaltender. We could nerd out for hours on end about all the little technical <laughs> intricacies and details needed to be successful. But it, it is definitely a skill that I'm proud that I think that I bring to the game and that I've been getting better and better at is just being able to distill down the really technical details into what we think we're seeing. And I could go, I could describe a play where somebody's on the post and he's in reverse VH and he's got his swivel foot and his anchor foot and this and that. That's too much for anybody who's listening. All I need to say is that He's, in his, he's on his post. He's in REH, which is a technique that seals the post, you know? <laughs> and so um, it's, it's really cool to do that. And thankfully, being with the Golden Knights, it, I've had been afforded to do some nightlife episodes on AT&T mm-hmm. Sportsnet where I actually get to get on the ice and break things down. And one of the most rewarding things ever, Brian, is when people come up and say that they've learned something from it or really enjoyed that segment because it's, it is, it's my coaching background, it's my playing background, all combined with broadcasting, and it's, it's, a, it's an absolute joy to do those. And I think, Mike, that that's been one of the benefits for you, jumping from the studio job, which you still do on the VGK side and you do nightlife, but being able to do color this year at a, a higher volume uh, with HSK, you get, to make, you get to teach these lessons in, in real time. Have you enjoyed that, that new wrinkle? Well, especially because you set me up so well for it, Brian. That helps a ton. And <laughs> we've talked about that at length where, you know, it's it's part of learning to do color. And, and obviously with your play-by-play background, that, that affords me a chance to have those spaces to talk and, and to kind of wax poetic at times. And uh, the color aspect is, is really cool because you do get the chance to breathe a little bit more than even what I do on air as an analyst with the Golden Knights. So much of what I do there is 30 seconds, 20, 30 seconds, in and out, and color can be even quicker than that. But when you get in between whistles and you can talk a little bit and expand and tell stories, you know, those little 30, 45 second, almost minutes that we get during a game of doing color are really useful. And that's the ultimate balance. You know, your quick hits doing color, two, three seconds. Then you get your 10 second ones. And then when the whistle stops, you got your longer one. So it, it really has expanded my skill set and, and just forced me to learn, which to me is always fun. We're with Mike McKenna, the most well-connected man in American mm-hmm. Hockey League media because, uh, well, he knows everybody <laughs> one way or another. Uh, his 7 Degrees podcast takes us into that. Through all the many stops you've had, Mike, you've played with almost everybody or for everybody in the American Hockey League. Uh, how, how 
how much of a benefit was that? I mean, do, do you look back at that now as thank God you moved around so much because you're uh, you've got roots everywhere now? Well, yeah, I, I don't think in the moment I liked packing up the U-Haul and playing Rubbermaid, <laughs> Rubbermaid Ben Tetris every season, even though I was really good at that. And if you need tips on it, uh, by all means, uh, the DMs are open. But I, <laughs> I, 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 in the moment, I don't think I liked it. All I wanted was stability. I just craved that, and I really never had much. I played a few years in Portland consecutively and had the opportunity to do that once or twice, but you know, it was tough, but looking back, like you said, the number of people that I played with and for and got to enjoy the fun of professional hockey with, and I'm so thankful that those are still people I talk with every day. And some, there's some days that I even go on my phone, and at the end of the day I'll realize, my God, I, I texted with 15 or 20 old friends and teammates, you know, and, and that's just really, really awesome that, one, we're all still friends and still enjoy the game, but, two, that we're just genuinely enjoy talking to each other as humans. So. Uh, and that factors in, of course, like I can always dig something up on a player or a coach or uh, somebody that's in the American League that a lot of people may not have had that contact or that experience with. All it means is that Mike McKenna was always in demand. Somebody always wanted Mike McKenna at every trade <laughs> deadline or every offseason. That's, that's <laughs> what the optimists tell me. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, speaking of all the players you played with, one of them is in the building this week for the Bakersfield Condors, and it's 35-year-old Adam Cracknell. He's going to be 36 in, in July um, for a guy who played as long as you did, and Adam Cracknell's still going, and very, very productively so. Just how, how impressive is it to you and, and to make the fans understand that he's still doing what he's doing in a, a league that is getting progressively younger? The crack daddy, man. You know what the coolest thing is? that There's a lot of Silver Knights fans that will remember Adam Cracknell from his days with the Wranglers when we both started yep. out in the ECHL. And it's so cool. I was talking to him last week, and he's just, I can't believe I'm coming back to the Orleans. <laughs> to play games again, you know, in the American League. And uh, it's so cool because he's, first of all, he's a great hockey player. And, you know, he came to us at the Wranglers. He was a young guy who, I mean, I don't know if he kept a dollar that he made that year <laughs> to where he is now as a, you know, a smart family business-oriented type of guy who can still play hockey at a high level. And uh, he actually lived with me briefly for a, a training camp in St. Louis one year. We played in Peoria again later, and like, he's just a forever teammate. And to see him be able to continue on and enjoy it and come back, he spent a couple of years over in Europe. He's the quintessential American League leader. He's a guy who will play as hard as you can. He can play in the NHL if you need him to get called up and play those minutes. But you just need those guys. You need the, the veteran aspect, and you see it with the Silver Knights. You think of Ryan Murphy, and you think of Daniel Regan, and just the, the level of experience and the mixture that they have that helps bring along the prospects and get them ready for when they make their debut with the Golden Knights. Mike, speaking of the, the quintessential AHL life, you know, again, Adam Cracknell has, has had a great career, NHL game, a lot of it, NHL service time, but him, yourself, guys like Jeff Glass, guys who have had a lot of stickers on the suitcase but played a long time. I always wonder if there's a, a brotherhood amongst you. Do you all, is there a, a, a 10 teams club or something like that? <laughs> Well, they don't—they don't give you a silver stick if you get over ten teams in the Iron League. But uh, they, <laughs> there's a real kinship, though. You know, it, I've been to a couple of couple of events where we've had, you know, like American League banquets, and I've been to Hilton Head on occasion for the board governors meetings. And there is a really healthy respect for the players that have slugged it out in the minors as long as some of us have. You know, eight, ten years, eight, ten teams—it's a lot. And 
people respect that. And, you know, we always say it's for the love of the game. Well, we do love the game, but we've also been very fortunate to be afforded a good way to make a living in the American Hockey League. You know, we are just so fortunate when you compare what you can make as an individual in the American League compared to minor league baseball, for instance. And Mm. that keeps people going, but it also lets you continue to love the game. When you can combine the two things that you can make a good living and love it, uh, it's just the best, and, and I find that people are proud to play in the American League. I was proud to play in the American League. It was it was a great time. I loved every second of it. We're with Mike McKenna, AHL aficionado, among other things. Mike, I'll give you the opportunity. Without getting yourself in trouble, you're going to decide uh, what the parameters for that are. Do you have a, a quintessential AHL story, something that was truly minor league from your playing days that, uh, I don't know, maybe it's your icebreaker <laughs> at parties? Oh, well, I I got two of them. And, uh, you know, one of them actually involves Henderson Silver Knights assistant coach Jamie Hewitt, and he made mention of it uh, when I interviewed him for Nightlife that we did have a Halloween party in Norfolk one year. And, you know, some of us were dressed up, as you could imagine, and some of the players got a little bit out of control. We'll just say that. And what, what, was, what, was, throw- what was Jamie Hewitt dressed up as? I need to know. I believe he was Clark Kent, and I, I do have photographic <laughs> evidence of that, but I'm going to keep that to myself for his own safety and well-being. But Please uh, continue. I think the, well, and I think the statute of limitations has passed us as well. But in any case, <laughs> uh, I can say Jamie Heward was completely innocent of everything. He did nothing, and I was as well. I did nothing wrong. But several things ended up flying off the roof of a building. Uh, and long story short, I'm dressed as the macho man Randy Savage, and – Clearly, I'm the macho man. You know, I've got the neon tassels, and I've got sunglasses on, and it even says macho man on my outfit. And the cops show up, and they say, we want the Hulkster, we want the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, we want the Pirate, and this and that. And, well, they thought I was the Hulk They thought I was Hulk Hogan. And I was clearly You're, you're indisputably Macho Man Randy Savage. Unquestionably, I'm Macho <laughs> Man Randy Savage. You know, and... and it just it all devolved, and our team lawyer showed up. We were probably the only team in the league that had a team lawyer in the American League, and you know a couple of the guys I think got a little community service, and and I got let off scot free. So that was a good one. And then if you want a really quick one, we lit a bus on fire between Portland and Providence, and uh, had to play that night. And by the time smoke inhalation took over in the third, we lost seven to three. But that was a whole different experience. It's you lit a bus on fire, the... or it just caught on fire? Well, I mean, we, we blew out the right rear, which set on like a hydraulic line or something, and we heard this loud bang, and Clyde the Glide, our bus driver, pulls over and walks off and does a 180, runs back on, and goes, everybody off! And sure enough, by then, there's you know, there's smoke coming over the side of the bus, and it was on fire, and we ended up playing that night, and uh, used, well, it was, it was Providence Bruin underwear. They gave us their underwear, like their undergear to wear under our stuff, because it smelled so bad. That was a that was a tough night. My goalie partner refused to play because his <laughs> gear smelled so bad, and I said, we're here, let's go. So I did my thing. I went in the net, and that's, uh, that's the kind of story of my career. If I'm called upon, I'm going in. Mike McKenna, the broadcaster who plays by his own rules and showing us why the AHL is truly special. Mike, we have a few more TV games this season. Looking forward to them, and thank you for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Um, my pleasure. It's been so much fun, and especially thanks to everybody listening who's made Vegas such a special place for hockey. and. We always knew with the Wranglers that there was something something cooking there, and then to see how it blew up with the Golden Knights and has continued on with the Silver Knights, we, we surely appreciate everybody. You, you bring a smile to our face, and can't wait for those next couple games, Brian. Looking forward to it. So am I, Mike. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you real soon. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for having me.
That was Mike McKenna, HSK TV color commentator, and of course, VGK television uh, broadcaster as well. We will step aside. When we come back, we'll have VGK Director of Player Development, Will Nickel. That's straight ahead on HSK Today. Enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Brian McCormick. Back on HSK today, great having Mike McKenna on the program, and now we move on to the Director of Player Development for the Vegas Golden Knights, Mr. Will Nickel, and Will, thank you so much for taking the time this afternoon. Hey, Brian, thanks for having me on, really appreciate it. Now, Will, uh, last night the Vegas Golden Knights, they clinched a playoff spot for the fourth straight season, and you know, I, I thought it was interesting, you look at the lineup this year for them, and there's been Dylan Coughlin, Zach Whitecloud, uh, Nick Haig, there's, there's been a certain presence of players who uh, had significant time with Chicago, uh, the Chicago Wolves last year and the year before. This is a year where you can certainly say the, uh, the development process uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights has, has been a significant factor in the success they've had for the season. Yeah, it's been really fun. You know, Keegan Colazar, you can put him in there. Uh, and uh, Cody Glass, obviously, yeah. has spent uh, a good chunk of time as well. And that, for me, that's, that's the best part. I have a lot of... Uh, parts of my job that I really love and enjoy but uh, the best part is right when they when they get to start to fulfill their lifelong uh, goals and dreams and uh, they got get to start playing for uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights so yeah it's really neat it's a really neat thing to to be here uh, from I think it was August of uh, 2016 when George called me and you know and to, to be there from really the start and then to, to see a lot of these things, and obviously that would be one of them, is seeing guys like that uh, starting to become big parts of our team up top. Now, Will, for fans who may not be uh, specifically aware of all that falls under the umbrella of, of what you do, what are some of your responsibilities? Because you really are handling all the prospects, not just playing in the AHL or the ECHL, but draft picks and junior leagues. There, there's a broad jurisdiction of players that you cover. Yeah, so what happens is, when the draft hap okay, so when a draft happens in normal times, it's in an arena, right, at a city, mm -hmm. um, and a player gets drafted. So let's say you know in 2017, right, it was Cody Glass who got drafted. He he goes up on the stage, he goes and does his media uh, thing with which every player has to do for whatever it is an hour, and then he comes up to the suite, uh, and they usually come with their family and friends and all that. And that, at that point, Brian, that's really when uh, my job starts with the player and the amateur staff, so Bob Lowe's and his, his staff, that's when their job is done with that player. Mm. Um, and, you know, I get asked this question a lot, like what are, what are things you do? And the uh, simplest way to say it is I, I wear a lot of hats. Um, you know, at times I'm a big brother. Uh, at times I am a coach. Uh, at times, I'm a friend. Um, we, we, I think we have to remember these are 18-year-old kids, um, you know, when they get drafted. And so the, the easiest way to say it is I try to help them understand what it means to be a pro, and I try to help them become a pro, not just on the ice, not just with their play, but also off the ice. Uh, and as you know, our culture uh, is, is everything uh, and has been since day one. And so I help them understand what it means to be a Golden Knight 
what it means to be a Silver Knight, what it means to be a Knight, what it means to be a part of this organization. So um, I love my job. Um, it's I feel like it's the best job in hockey. And uh, Bob Lowe's and his staff, they make my job a lot easier because they draft not just really good hockey players, but they make sure they draft really good people who have really high character. And so when you get to work with kids like that, it makes your job a lot easier. We're talking to Will Nickel, the director of player development for the Vegas Golden Knights. And, you know, you, you mentioned uh, you could be a coach, a big brother. I also think of, of guidance counselor in many ways because it can't be a one-size-fits-all approach. Some of these players are going to college, some to juniors. Every player, I'm sure, needs a, a different kind of, uh, of access to you or instruction from you to, to get what they need to be professional hockey players. Yeah, you know, it's funny you say that because I, I was lucky I got to coach for 13 years. Uh, I was never at the pro level, but I got to coach in the USHL and at the collegiate level, but I also coached for two years at the high school level. Honestly, that, that, that helps me a lot, but I always kind of go back to the two years that I was a high school teacher, and I think of the prospects as though we're all in the classroom, right? Mm. And I always felt like if I was being a good teacher – my job was to connect with each one of these students. They all learn differently, okay? But if you're a good teacher, you want them to, to ace the exam, right? And so I have to find out, you know, what makes them tick, um, what works, what doesn't, what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are. So that, that, those two years of teaching actually, I think, helped me with my job a lot more than uh, maybe people would, would think. Hmm. Um, and you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I mean, you, you really, I think for me to do my job well, I really have to get to know the kid and, uh, and everything about them, you know. And, and once we can do that, once we can establish a good relationship and establish trust, then I think that I can help them uh, hit their ceiling. And that's, that's my job is to help them hit their ceiling and be the best version of themselves. And I imagine, Will, that this year that task has been has required you to be more creative than ever because of the COVID restrictions. Not only just the the challenges, I'm sure, of, of having face to face time with these prospects, but also that some of these leagues just haven't been playing. You know, perhaps the NCAA has had the most normal season of anyone thus far, except for kids playing in Europe. But that that's had to probably make you get a little bit creative on, on how to make sure everyone is staying on track. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, I guess what I did, Brian, is um, I try to take excuses out of it when I work with the players. And I needed to do that for myself. You know, like COVID has been really hard. It's been really challenging. It's been really hard and challenging for everybody. But COVID has also um, almost forced us mm -hmm. to look at doing things differently, no matter what industry you're in. And so I've done quite a bit virtually with, with guys. So like Ivan Rozov, right? He's over in St. Petersburg. And mm -hmm. um, I, can't get, I can't get there. Uh, we still need to help him get better. You know, that's my job. My job doesn't change. So how can I do that? And, uh, and I felt like, you know, with the help of people in our organization and the resources that we had, we were able to do that. Uh, Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee and, and Manny Viveros have been incredible getting some people in, such as Mason Primo, Marcus Kelly on Kelly, right? Like, I think that gave us uh, a great advantage getting some of these guys in that we could who would be playing junior. And so just as a group, 
I think that we put our heads together and we, you know, needed to decide how, how we go about it and how we can help these kids get better. With that in mind, we're talking to Will Nickel, the Vegas Golden Knights Director of Player Development. It's not just about getting players into the lineup or into the pro lineup. They still need to improve. And, and I think we've seen players in their second season this year who have taken great leaps from what they did a year ago. And the likes of, Yon well, Jake LeCision, Jonas Romberg, who kind of in a way is playing his first pro season after what he went through yeah. last year. But yeah. Ben Jones, a lot of guys having significant second seasons this year. I think if you just go right down the line, I think everybody um, is is playing – uh, has taken a step um, who was with the Wolves last year and and uh, and now with Manny and Wardo and Huey this year. You know, that that's, that's Manny and his staff. I think that they have done an absolute bang-up job um, teaching these kids how to play the right way or, or continuing to teach them how to play the right way, but also giving them the freedom, you know, to play and to make some plays and to, to be creative. And uh, I, I just think that uh, they deserve a ton of credit for that. I'm, I'm really happy for the kids. I say kids, they're young men. I'm really happy for them. But, yeah, you hit on some names. I mean, Jonas Romberg is a great one. You know, he played one game with the Wolves before he got hurt. And I'm not going to go into the details of the injury, hmm. but he's actually had two injuries. And he hasn't played. He basically has not played in 14 months. So Jonas should get a ton of credit. Because not only did he rehab and get better uh, with with his injuries, but he also, you know, did the work. And that's what it comes down to. You know, the kid, the player, they have to do the, the work. They have to take ownership. And, and Jonas did that. And he's come over, and um, he's had an excellent, excellent year thus far with the Henderson Silver Knights, as has Jake, Jonesy. I mean, just go right down the line. Uh, with with our second year guy, someone like Jimmy Schultz is taking a nice step as well. You know, from from last year to this year. So, well, we, we heard from uh, Manny Viveros earlier in the program from his morning availability, and uh, when he talked about Jen, uh, Ben Jones, he just talked a lot about the versatility. He's played center, left, right, up and down the lineup, yep. moved around, and it's because he can. And I think we could apply that same principle to Jonas Romberg as well, and probably Jake Lecision a little bit as well. The question being. Do you, and maybe it's a little bit of both, but do you draft versatility or do you teach versatility for a young player? Well, in terms of the draft part, that would be a question if you ever get Bobby Lowe's uh, on here, and I would encourage you to do that. You know, um, that, that's his area. Uh, in terms of the development part, you know, I've always got a development hat on. So if there's a situation like, like Peyton Krebs, right? Peyton Krebs has had to play defense for three yeah. games now up with the Winnipeg Ice. Is that what he's going to do as a pro? No, but are there some things that he can take away from that that will help him when he is playing, you know, center or wing? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, I, I think that you always take those opportunities um, to help the player understand that this is only going to help you. I think if you've got versatility and you can play wing, you can play center. If you're a defenseman, you can play either side. That's only going to help you, right, uh, as you continue to, to move up uh, the ladder and play in the NHL. And you're absolutely right. Uh, the, the kids that you just mentioned, LeCision, Jonas, uh, Jonesy, all of them have played center. They've all played wing, and I think they've, both played, they've, they've all played both, both sides, right, uh, this year. And that's a credit to, to them. It's also a credit to Manny, you know, and Wardle uh, for bringing them along, for having that trust. Um, you know, in them and, and the confidence in them.
We've seen defenseman Peter Dilibatori and uh, Leighton Ahak jump right into the pro game shortly after their college seasons ended. As an organization, how, how do those conversations work with, with college players uh, and deciding when the right time is to, to make a move uh, to join the, the pro ranks? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, um, George and Kelly and, and, and I, uh, we're on the same page with that. We don't, we don't put pressure on kids. You know, I think that there's enough of that uh within this game so if you know we let them know how they're doing from a development standpoint and we we let them know that we value them if a if a player wants to have the conversation uh about turning pro you know and get our thoughts we obviously will talk about that but you know the player has to live that decision right so if we put tons of pressure on a player you have to turn pro you have to turn and they don't want to, but they feel like they have to, that's not, that's not good. That's not good for the player. That's not good for their development. That's not good for us, right? So it really has to be a decision that, that comes from them. Um, and if they want our thoughts on whether we think they're ready or not, then we'll have that discussion. That's how it went with, with both Dilly uh, and Leighton. And uh, we, we felt that both of them were ready to make that step. Clearly, they've shown, you know, uh, in their time, in their short time here, but in their time here, that they, they are ready to take that step. I think people might not know this or realize, like, you know, Dilly is a 2000 born and AX a 2001. Like, they're still pretty young, you know. But if you watch them play, uh, they don't look that young, you know, and uh, they look like they've been in this league for quite a while. So that that's kind of the the conversation that you have with, with those players that are playing college hockey. Well, now I feel old. One last question, Will, before we let you go. Uh, just your I job. And all the, I do at 31. I'm ancient uh, now. Uh, <laughs> looking looking hey, at hey, your... Hey, hey. Uh, I was going to say, give it a few years. Give right. it a few years, you really feel old. Don't you threaten me. Will, they're just your job and the number of players you keep track of, it's obvious, but you just must really, really love watching hockey a lot. Yeah, I, I love. I, I lo- like I said before. I, I feel I, I never take uh, what I do for granted. Working for this organization, uh, I, I, I don't. We have a really, really special group of people. Um, I don't take that for granted. Um, I certainly don't take this job for granted. I, I absolutely love this job, and I also know, you know, that it's, that it's an important job. It's it's not any more important than other jobs. But I have direct communication with these players, you know, and I have their ear, and I need to have their trust. And I think that uh, I can't take that for granted either. So, yeah, I love my job. I love this game. You know, I'm a hockey nerd. Um, I have a wife who is an absolute saint and is on board 100%. Because uh, I'm gone, you know, between development camp, training camp, and the games that I see, I'm gone, you know, anywhere from 180 to 200, you know, days a year. Um, so, yeah, you have to love it in order to do that. But, Brian, there's nothing better. There's nothing better than when you see these these players, these kids become men, and you see them uh, start to attain their goals. And, and, and when they don't need me anymore you know that's my job really like once they're once they don't need me and they got it they're 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 men and they're pros that's a great feeling it might sound kind of funny 
but that just means I did my job. You know, I helped them from an 18-year-old until whatever age it is, 20, 21, 23, whatever age it is when, they're, when they got it, that's, that's a great feeling too. Well, there are a lot of birds taking flight from the nest in the VGK prospect pool, and you're a huge reason why. Director of Player Development, Will Nickel, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. I hope we can do it again real soon. Yeah, anytime, Brian. I appreciate you having me on, and I've uh, I really enjoyed getting to know you. Keep up the great work out there. Thank you, Will. Appreciate it. That is Will Nickel, the Director of Player Development for the Vegas Golden Knights. And uh, again, and the, the HSK record proves it, and the uh, success for the VGK being the first team to clinch a playoff spot proves it as well. Uh, or, or, you know, clinching their fourth playoff uh, berth. Certainly significant for the Silver Knights and Golden Knights. Will Nickel having himself a, a good year. Now let's quickly take a look at our equipment check because there's a game tonight. Got to make sure the equipment's good to go. Uh, Assistant Equipment Manager Cameron Batty, how's the equipment? It's great. Good. Glad to hear it. Thank you, Cameron. That was important. Silver Knights fans, don't forget, limited season ticket memberships are still available starting at just $30 per seat, and members receive the first opportunity to purchase games when they release, including the playoffs at exclusive member pricing. HSK members can also night up at the livery in Lifeguard Arena with their member discount on HSK gear. Visit HendersonSilverKnights.com today to become a Silver Knights member. Well, that is going to do it for us on this busy episode of HSK Today. Thank you for sitting in with us. Thank you to Damon Cotton on the other side of the glass. We'll be back on the air at 5.30 for pregame coverage before the Silver Knights and the Bakersfield Condors go to work. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Have a great afternoon, and we'll see you tonight right here on 12.30 of the game.